Uh, 안녕하세요. Uh, hello. <웃음> 저도 이 영화 오래간만에. Well, it's been a long time since I saw this film last. Such a long time that even though that uh, is a film that I made, um, rather than the time that I saw it just after I had finished working on it, I think I was able to see it with a more objective um, pair of eyes. And seeing it now like this, uh, it somehow seems better than I remember. I actually, this film is something that I have um, wrote together with my younger brother, and I have directed it together with him as well. Well, I had suggested to him that uh, well, let's make movies together, uh, be like Cohen brothers. And that was back when we were both university students. But he said, flat out said no, and he left to study, study, the, art, study the arts. And as we grew older, he said, uh, well, I want to actually make films. And we decided, well, let's start by making this short film together. And that's how uh, this film all began. Until then, uh, I didn't have any interest in Korean shamanism, this uh, Korean traditional uh, belief system of, of shamanism. But as an artist, uh, uh, subject of shamanism was an important theme for my brother in all of his works. But as we set about to do this short film together, he told me that this is what I want. This is a story that I wanted to tell. And I wasn't very sure because I wasn't interested in the subject matter of shamanism. And he got me to watch a few videos, documentaries on shamanism. You know this uh, last shot in the film where the shaman uh, makes a way uh, by parting uh, this long piece of, piece of cotton? What it is is that it's, uh, it's a part of the shamanistic ritual uh, which, is to, which is to comfort the dead soul. It's like a requiem. And it's the um, climactic part of that ritual. Metaphorically, this is uh, paving the way uh, for the dead person's soul so that it doesn't, it doesn't float about uh, in the netherworld, but uh, it can follow the path to arrive at a good place. So it's paving the way uh, and it represents that path so that rather than being stuck neither in this world nor uh, the afterlife, uh, the soul can follow this path uh, to get to the afterworld. After and uh, how, the, um, how the cloth is parted represents how that difficult path is paved. And here, the shaman represents the soul of the dead person. And the rice grains that are scattered on the uh, top of the long piece of cotton, it represents both the uh, resources that you need uh, along your journey, and it also re represents the substance that you require along this long journey. So I was watching this documentary where the shaman was using a, 
knives to cut through the piece, long piece of cloth. In this climactic moment in the ritual, I was mesmerized uh, by this ritual. And it, it awakened uh, this Korean sensibility that had been laying dormant uh, in my consciousness. When you're watching an actual good or the shamanistic ritual in Korea, and also in the climactic moment in this film, the act of using the knife to cut through this long piece of cloth uh, to pave this way is a really a cathartic climactic moment. The kind of catharsis that grants uh, this poor soul who has died a tragic death uh, redemption at the long last. And for those friends and family members who have lost their beloved one, who are left behind in this, in this world, who are gripped with sorrow, for all those people left behind, they're able to witness the dead person making this journey, paving the path finally to afterlife. And being able to witness that allows them to accept uh, this as a goodbye and allow them to get on with their lives. So seeing this film again, I'm reminded what art should really be. And with this, I will take it with me in going to make going on to make my next film. Thank you. Thank you. And Ian, please. It's um it's a remarkable film, and uh, for those of you who don't know, um, it featured at the 2011 Berlin Film Festival where it was awarded the Golden Bear for Best Short that year. You followed it in 2012 with Day Trip, another short that you co-wrote and co-directed with your brother. Um, and it's about a young girl. You can see these films online. Um, it's about a young girl who didn't win a Pansori competition that she'd entered, and she goes with her teacher on a long walk up a mountain, and there she rehearses singing. Um, and again, it, it's a film that has a, a very strong, profound spiritual element to it. Could you talk about the conversations you had with your brother of developing that story? And do you feel that the film, the feature that you made before these two uh, films, Thirst, which has a very deep spiritual element to it as well, sort of fed into the ideas for these two short films. Well, you know, the origin of this team name, Parking Chance, it comes actually from uh, our names. My name is Park Chanok, and my brother's name is Park Chan-gyong. And we share the two syllables, our family name, Park, and uh, the first syllable of our names happen to be Chan. So we use those two syllables to create, come up with this name, Parking Chance. And as the name suggests, the idea behind this team is to um, be light-footed and very agile and be all about guerrilla filmmaking and be ready for anything, ready to try out anything new and interesting. 
That's why under this banner, Parking Chance, when we make films, um, other than the two short films that you have mentioned, uh, we have done together a documentary and a music video and other, other work, such works. And these films tend to be, well, they invariably are different from the short films and uh, feature-length films that I make on my own. And as I was saying before, my younger brother is very much interested in the uh, traditional Korean culture and very much likes to bring elements from that in our filmmaking. And I take it as a good opportunity for me um, to, who, who don't know much about uh, the traditional uh, culture to the extent my younger brother does, uh, I take it as a good learning opportunity and an opportunity to be able to cinematically express these elements. Because um, uh, uh, me and my brother, uh, we have parents who are both um, Catholics and we have been raised as Catholics. So until uh, our high school years, we would go to Catholic church every, every Sunday. So I think uh, we naturally uh, had cultivated this interest in religion. Of course, uh, both my younger brother and myself have left the Catholic Church, well, stopped being Catholics after high school. Um, but uh, being raised Catholic, that, that sort of childhood experience, I think, has uh, had a decisive influence on my making first. While I'm a complete atheist, my brother, uh, while he doesn't subscribe to Catholicism, uh, he remains uh, quite interested in, in, uh, in the spiritual world. Because when you uh, go to all these scenes of, of shamanistic rituals and you see these in good Korean for these shamanistic rituals, uh, you encounter a lot of mystical uh, moments. Because you're uh, <coughs> facing an uh, endless number of the scientifically inexplicable phenomena uh, that you end up believing in uh, these beliefs. Compared with my brother, my attitude, as you might be able to tell from seeing this film, I approach it metaphorically. So you might consider this film as a collaboration between an artist who has the belief in shamanistic, uh, belief in shamanism, and an artist who doesn't believe in shamanism but takes it as a uh, metaphor. So, um, I've been lucky enough to um, speak with Director Park once before, um, and so I feel thoroughly prepared today of having this perfect poker face as I'm listening to him thinking he's just answered the sixth question I was about to ask, and now the seventh. Um, but um, I want to carry on the talk about collaboration, um, widening the net further now to talk about your whole career, because one of the things that's so remarkable about your work as a filmmaker is that it feels that it has such a singular vision, whilst at the same time, as a writer, you work with so many different people on each film. 
Um, could you talk a little bit about the collaboration process of how you develop your ideas? Well, it, it's been, I've heard that uh, my work is very unique, original, and of a singular vision. Um, but despite what uh, uh, you may think, my working process is not one where I'm sitting by myself or uh, feverishly um, gripped by inspiration and I'm there, I'm being this crazy writer, the kind you see on screen, this lonely, crazy writer. I'm not, I can't, I can't be further from that image. 그런 낭만주의적인 예술가 상하고는 정말 반대죠. Completely opposite from these kinds of romantic image of a writer. <웃음> 저는 어, 늘 같이 누군가와 함께 일하고요. I always usually work with someone else. 그리고 늘 타협하고 절충합니다. I always compromise and I always uh, uh, come to the middle. 그리고 누군가에게 계속 묻고. I always ask questions and I always get influenced by those close to me around me. 저는 그 타협이라든가 뭐 절충이라든가 이런 표현이 예술의 적이라는 생각에는 동의하지 않습니다. I don't agree with the idea that uh, compromise or uh, coming to the middle is in any way the enemy of art. Well, I'm just talking about this film, at the very beginning the idea was because the river uh, is very near the uh, North and South Korean border, uh, the idea was to have um, a North Korean soldier's corpse float down the river and it's fished by the fishermen and they get all tangled up with these fishing lines and, and do a dance. To serve a kind of a metaphor for this wish for the North and South Koreas to be united. But the, but the telecommunications company who had uh, suggested that this film be shot in an iPhone, and those who, the company who had uh, funded this short film, uh, there's no way that they were going to like this idea. <laughs> this is still a subject matter that is quite sensitive when it comes to uh, you know, um, commercial uh, film. Of course, if I was to abuse my position that I have in the industry in Korea, and I say, well, I'm going to do whatever I want, you, just, you guys can just go away. I may have been able to do that, but uh, I don't think that anything has to, anything must be. Uh, the way they are. Because the world of art is so vast and uh, it promises so many different, different possibilities. It's uh, just a matter of being able to find another thread of possibility. So it was our efforts to try and come up with um, different ideas that we have ended up with what you see on screen. I believe it ended up being a, a better film. Mm. And there's a writer who I collaborate with all the time, um, although who I collaborate with have changed over the course of time. But recently, well, ever since Lady Vengeance, I've worked with this one um, co-writer on all of my films, and uh, she's a talented female writer. 
Of course, I would love if there's a genius of a writer working side by side next to me. But all I ask for really is for there to be someone with a common sense. Well, of course, the female writer that I work with, she's closer to a genius writer. But I'm just lucky. Because not everyone uh, can be so lucky to have someone like her working with them. But what I want to say is that when you are writing all by yourself um, and you are, you, are, you are falling into the trap of, of being so obsessed with your own work and being so stubborn about what you are writing and you are following only that single path and you end up uh, in, in, to, to go into all this self-contentment and go into self-praisal of what you've done and becoming so proud of what you've done. That is something that you should really be cautious against. So for me, well, what I'm saying is that it doesn't matter who it is. Um, as long as you have someone next to me that you can talk to and say that, well, I can go this way or that. Which way is better? And at least for someone to uh, give an answer to that question is um, enough. And someone who can read what I've written and say, that, well, this is a bit too weird, isn't it? <laughs> In other words, I, I don't require somebody uh, who gives me good ideas. But um, now I'm going to explain to you the way I collaborate with this uh, female writer who I am very fortunate to have found. So what we do is we sit in the same room facing each other, across from each other, and we use one computer. And to this one computer we hook up two monitors, one for each of us, and two keyboards, one for each of us. Someone will write first. Say one line and ask the other, how is it? Well, the other will reply and press, press on the backspace. And I would say, well, then why don't you try and write? <laughs> And she writes something, well, I like it, we'll keep writing. Let's say she wrote 10 lines now. And I drag and select all and delete it. <laughs> so there are times like that. But if it works well, when I write one line, um, she writes one, and vice versa. I write one word, and she would write the next word. And there are more times uh, when things go well like this. Sometimes we fight over where to put the comma and how for 10 minutes and longer. <laughs> So working like this, after I finish with the script and after I've made the film and it's released, people come up to me and ask, 
I really like that line of dialogue. So which of the two writers wrote it? And we really cannot answer that question. In that one line of dialogue, it, it contains a lot of different ideas, and we cannot um, uh, suss out which idea came from whom. So it's a result of this teamwork that has been um, enhanced through a number of years uh, that have been calibrated over a long period of time where we have uh, grown accustomed to each other. Uh, 마지막 단계는 어, 사실 제가 혼자 합니다. But when it comes to the last stage, I work by myself. 저는 이때가 참 중요하다고. I consider this stage to be very important because no matter how well you work together as a team, there is a limit to how much work you can do uh, by way of um, having discussions. 그래서 각본의 so the last stage of the script writing this process is for me to spend two to three days or, or around a week even. I work strictly by myself. I would say that during this stage I'm closer to this romantic image of you know, a writer gripped with this inspiration and, and writing with craze. I don't even sleep, I don't even eat, I just write. What I would change during this uh, stage where I work alone is not the uh, uh, structure or the uh, basic elements of the plot. Uh, the work uh, during this stage is mostly, I would say, the, uh, putting the colors onto the picture. And if I was to compare it with the whole filmmaking process, I could compare it with, say, the very end when you, when, when you do the color correction. Or if I want to compare it to a process of creating music, I would like it to the final mix stage. When you compare that draft uh, that I would write, uh, finish by myself, and you compare it with the uh, previous draft to that, you might not notice much of a difference, but uh, what it does is it imbues a subtle amount of difference, and this is what decides the nuance of the film. Therese Rakin, which you very, very liberally adapted as, as Thirst, um, the author Emil Zola was once quoted as saying that what he aimed to do with that novel was to study temperaments and not characters. And, and going all the way back to your 1999 short judgment, um, through your many films, through Stoker. It struck me that that's a phrase that could be applied to your work. Uh, you're not someone who's necessarily solely, or, or plot isn't necessarily the main thing that comes to the fore, and then neither is character. There's, there's a specific tone between the characters and of the characters that filters through in all of your work. Well, I, I, I know that Zola has applied that attitude uh, to all of his work. But I don't think I'm necessarily um, subscribing to the same kind of attitude because for me, the plot, the narrative is always the most important. What's uh, most important for me is not even the character, but nor is it style. 
저는 내러티브가 제일 먼저입니다. For me, first and foremost comes the narrative. 영화에서 그게 가장 중요하다는 얘기가 아니라 출발이 그렇다는 거죠. I'm not saying that uh, in my movie that's the most important part, but I'm saying that's the one that comes first. 음. 올드보이를 각색한 예를 한번 해보, 들어볼까요? 음, shall I use the example of um, adapting old boy? 그 작품 원작을 읽어보신 분 계세요? Anyone in the audience who 그 manga? has read the original Japanese manga? Uh, yeah, not, not many enough though. <laughs> 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 It is a great uh, manga, sure. But the reason why the villain has uh, come to hold a grudge against the protagonist, the reason is completely different from the manga and the film. And the way that he exacts the revenge on the protagonist is also different. 그 만화로서는 좋지만 영화로서는 적당하지 않았어요. 좀 싱거웠어요. And the original manga, these different reasons worked well for a manga, but uh, to retain them for a film, I didn't feel it worked very well. They were too bland um, cinematically. 완전히 새롭게 창조 창조해야만 하는 상황이었는데. So it was a situation where I had to come up with a completely new reasons. 그리고 원작 and the method of uh, vengeance. So I was thinking that it needed to be different and it needed to it needed to go beyond. It needed to uh, jump over what you, what what I found in the original manga uh, in order for it to have meaning in this different medium. So remember, I am someone who always uh, works uh, through having conversation with different people. So in this instance too, I sat down and talked to my producer about it. The question was, just why this villain uh, would incarcerate this protagonist for such a long time? And the whole conversation was about what was the grudge? Why did he want to go out and kidnap this person and incarcerate him for such a long time? But I, we just couldn't come up with an answer for this. I took a moment to go to the toilet to pee. And while I was doing my business, <laughs> 이런 생각이 드는 거예요. 그흰 벽을 마주 보고 <웃음> 마주 보면서 as I was uh, facing this white wall it, a thought came to me. 어, 왜 so he, why did he incarcerate? But why 왜, 왜, did he let him go? 그 그냥 우리는 빛 배를 the villain incarcerated kept him locked up until the day he died. Isn't that more of a punishment and more of a revenge? 풀어준 것이 더 중요한 것은 아닐까? More of an agony, but then it occurred to me, maybe the releasing part is the more important part for this villain. 그그 중에 So the protagonist in the story and the audience, they are all obsessed with the question, why is he locked up? Why am I locked up? But maybe the more important question is, why am I let go? Why is he released? 그 질문을 그렇게 바꾸면 뭔가 새로운 길이 열릴 것 같았어요. And I thought if I change the question around, a new path might present itself. 
Now, the follow-up question to that would be, okay, so if he's released him, why after 15 years? Why not 10 years? Why not 25 years? Why specifically 15? <laughs> What is that time required for? So there was this train of thought. And the train of thought led to me thinking that well, 15 years might be time long enough for someone to grow older into, into an adult. And, but then who, who would it be? Could it be the daughter? But then why the daughter? And as you may know from seeing the firm old boy, Uh, it led to uh, that, that reveal uh, that you see in the film. And, you know, um, for this, and what it answers is that very question, um, the very reason why the villain holds this grudge against the protagonist, his motivation. And the answer uh, being all these incestuous elements in it. So, You know, as you know, when you're doing the business of peeing in the toilet, it doesn't take a whole uh, lot of time. But in this time, all this train of thought led me to um, this, this destination. <laughs> so, right after that, I rushed to the producer I was talking to, and I told him everything. All, all, I told them all these ideas, and I said, well, I am very sure that this will work, and this is the movie that I'm going to make, um, but this will require a sex scene between a father and a daughter, um, but it should be okay, because they don't know that they are, uh, who, who each other are, that this is my daughter or this is my father, so it should be okay. So, you need to make a decision now. If you are, if you are not going to do this, I'm walking out from the movie. <laughs> So what I want to say is that it wasn't a, it wasn't a case where I wanted to tell a story about incestual relationship that I made old boy like this. Uh, that's not the truth. And in actual fact, it's I wanted to tell. Uh, I wanted to adapt um, this original manga, but I wanted to make a really good story from that and that led me to this idea but what I'm going to say next is important I think, that once you have decided uh, to tell a story with that sort of element in it you have to do a proper job of it as if I had always set out to tell a story make a film about incestual relationship and I have to really Uh, dig down and go at it. For the audience seeing the film, it's not at all important what order these ideas came in. And when the audience sees the completed film, uh, and when they see the important themes and elements and subjects in it, it has to feel as if uh, right from the get-go, the film was all about, all about that. Mm. And you should really aspire to that goal. And in this film, two things were important. One was um, that uh, element of incest. And the second is the other thing that I was talking about before, 
in order to get the right answer, you have to ask the right question. Let's open the floor um, to some questions. We have someone down here, and then we'll go further back. When, when in, intro, in your introduction, you talked about the effect your brother's belief in shamanism had on you, and you said it awakened your Korean sensibility that had lain dormant in my consciousness. And I think that's the power your films have an audience. You awaken in us dormant things in our consciousness, and that's why your films have a big impact with... But could you say something about when you're shooting your films? You said the narrative is always key, but the link between the narrative and the visual style, and to what extent sometimes the visual style might impact on the narrative, and the way the narrative impacts on the visual style, as, you are, as you're a screenwriter director, but the links between your narrative screenplay and the visual style. Well, this is a very difficult thing to explain um, because it requires, involves talking about specific scenes and how, how uh, they were written and how they were realized. But I'll, I'll give it a try. Right, so so-called visual style or including sound, all of these other elements uh, which together form what I might call the uh, cinematic form, they all have to serve the story. So when you separate out the content and the form, the form has to really serve the content, but it's not to say that content is a more important than the form. Once an expression is made through form, you should no longer be able to separate the form and the content. So, I'll give you an example. This first film that I did, I'm very embarrassed by it. But if I can uh, use a scene from it uh, to give you an example. So, there's a scene in this film. Um, there's a character who's a, uh, who's a female singer uh, working at a bar. So, there, is a, there are POV shots of the good guy and the bad guy who are uh, sitting on their own <coughs> but watching her. So when I wanted to express the moment when these two men felt drawn to this woman to express that moment, what I did was for one person, I, in his POV, I used zoom to zoom in on the uh, female singer. And for the other man, I used uh, tracks and I pushed in on the dolly um, into, into the woman. So the way I thought was, when I used Zoom for one POV, it was for a character man who is a gangster. So this gangster, uh, the way I think about Zoom is that it grabs a subject and brings it to you. So this guy being a gangster, he wants to have her, make her his. So I thought that the Zoom uh, was the more appropriate way to uh, get for him to be mesmerized by her in that moment. Whereas the other guy, he is the more devoted type and he would go to her, he would run to her. That's why in that moment I thought using the dollies and having the camera move towards her would be the more appropriate uh, form.
as far as I can think right now, is the simplest way to explain. And these subtle differences in form, I believe, is the way that uh, it's my principle that content and form cannot be separated uh, even if it ends up in creating this very subtle differences. And some people might ask the question, who will notice, who in the audience will notice uh, your subtle differences? And if there are people who are asking that question, they are obviously uh, not the kind of people who uh, think like I do because I think every little difference like that uh, creates a difference in perception for the audience. Um, I was very interested to hear you talking about the, uh, the adaptation of Old Boy. Um, and uh, I saw The Handmaiden at uh, the London Film Festival and thought that was fantastic. Um, and I suppose I'm interested in the process of adaptation uh, and the fact that you're coming to source material that um, some people might feel quite protective of and very fond of, and that inevitably people will draw comparisons between the two works. So I wondered whether when you are going through that process of adaptation, um, which is, is very bold and creative in the way that you do it, you ever feel constrained or obliged to maintain a tone or a sensibility or an idea in the source material or whether you feel that the best thing you can do for the source material is to make a film that works on its own terms? Well, there are uh, a number of films that I've made which have uh, source material, but not all of them. Uh, For instance, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance or Lady Vengeance are films, um, there are no uh, source source, uh, material like novels. Whereas The Handmaiden, for instance, is uh, something that has a source material in Fingersmith. People like to uh, divide up my work between those that are uh, original and those that are adapted from source material. But for me, they have, there are no difference between the two. Because this act of reading be it manga or be it novel or be it a a play is in itself an experience for me and it's not a book is not doesn't exist by by the book alone but when I uh, go through the act of reading it conjures up images in my head and I have this experience. For example, as you live through your life, um, you go through these different things uh, and you might have someone close to you pass away or you might go through a divorce. And there are important events in your life like this. And just For me, it's just like uh, uh, creating a story out of those experiences. Or you have other sources too. Let's say you watch the news on the telly or you read an article on the internet. That might provide a starting point for you. But all of these are exactly the same for me. They are just uh, all uh, sources. 
So, am I saying that I have no respect for the source material? I think it really depends on the on your definition of the word respect, because I believe that I have shown uh, my respect towards the source material in the case of Fingersmith, and I have retained the core ideas and themes of that book in the best way that I can. And and if and that Sarah Waters, the original author, uh, having seen the film twice and having liked the film. Uh, I think I have done a good job of respecting her work. And when I was reading Terence Rakan by uh, Emin Zola, I got this feeling that, wow, I think I wrote this. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that I'm that good of a writer. <laughs> But what I was thinking was, this writer, this author, has, is, has written the way that I would exactly uh, like to write. When I was reading Fingersmith, as I was reading it, I got all excited and was thinking that I wish this happened to this character, I wish that happened to the other character, I wish the story would go along this path. You know, as you, uh, these, as you watch daytime soap opera, how you say, uh, I, wish that, I wish she would die, or I, I wish those two would get married. So. And it just inspires so many ideas. It's a, it's a, it becomes a well for all these inspirations. So you have to come across that sort of source material uh, for you to be able to engage with it. But what you do need to be careful, I suppose there's a, one, uh, a con and one bad thing about um, taking a source material and adapting it into a film. You know what it is, is that you, know, you don't make films by yourself. So. When there's a source material, there's a producer and there's the financier. Or sometimes the source material might reach the uh, star of the film first. So what happens is that all these people read their source material and they all have different pictures in their head about what this film is going to be. And there's no reason to say that uh, those uh, pictures that they have in their head will be the same, nor will it be the same as the picture that I have in my head. There's something that you should always be careful of. Yeah. I think we have time. Just one more question. Thank you so much for that amazing talk. One quick question. The cultural provenance of your material, does that make you a South Korean filmmaker or a universal storyteller? Of course, I'm probably both. But I don't want to make films which would have elements in it which will be undecipherable, sorry, un incomprehensible <laughs> for, for international audience. Usually you find uh, such instances in jokes. They don't tend to travel well and 
it's harder for jokes and humor to go over the cultural barriers. For instance, Scottish uh, comedies and French comedies, I have a hard time understanding them sometimes. <laughs> and you, you're not alone. <laughs> When I say that I don't want to make films which which would be which would have elements in it which are incomprehensible for international audience, I'm not saying that I want to make it in itself a goal for me. What I'm really aspiring to make is well, I do have the Korean audience in mind um, as a primary audience when I'm making these films, but I consider myself making films for the future Korean audience. What I'm saying is that uh, if you're a filmmaker, uh, you will understand what I'm saying. But uh, uh, We want to make films uh, that will stand the test of time, so that in 50 years' time or 100 years' time, it will be screened at a place like BFI or BAFTA and, uh, be, uh, be able to, uh, and have the audience enjoy it uh, in that time too. So when I uh, set about making these films and uh, tell myself I'm going to make films that the future Korean audience can also uh, enjoy, it just happens to be that the international audience don't have trouble enjoying them either. So when you're aspiring for universality like this, in other words, not being, a, not being entrenched or not being focused on uh, the current trend and be able to think outside of that, uh, spatially you expand yourself as well. So I suppose I'm saying that of the ticket price you are paying to see my films, you're only missing out on a few cents worth of um, the ticket price. <laughs> For anyone who wants to hear more of the wise words of director Park, he's going to be introducing the Vengeance Trilogy this evening at Picture House Central. It's the entire trilogy is showing, and Picture House is offering a free um, psychoanalysis service at the end of the trilogy for anyone who feels profoundly disturbed by it. Um, that, that trilogy is showing as part of the London East Asian Film Festival, which is a fantastic festival that started late last week. And it's running through the whole of the next week. So do pick up a program from Picture House Central and the other venues. It's showing it to see what's on. Um, as for The Handmaiden, um, Curzon Artificial Eye are releasing the film towards the end of February. It is a masterpiece by Park Chan-wook. It's an absolutely extraordinary piece of filmmaking. So do catch that when it comes out. Thank you to the BFI for hosting us here today. Um, thank you to Wonju, who is the first person who has sat on a BFI stage and actually used up a whole pad of paper, which is a, an incredible feat unto itself. Uh, thank you to Maria and her team at BAFTA, also to Lucy Gard and the JJ Charitable Trust. Um, thank you to Jeremy Brock for all of his support of these events. But most of all, can you please join me in thanking Park Chan-wook.